You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So I'm going to uh, purposely be repetitive this morning because I can't help but kind of say something very similar to what uh, Pastor Bill was just saying. I, I work in student ministry here, and I got to be here on Friday night to be a part of just watching. I was just stood in the back and was watching uh, the winter blast for the kids. And man, we're talking about fulfillment this morning, we're talking about being fulfilled. And just being connected to Riverside, just being connected to our kids' ministry, just being connected to the awesome volunteers and the awesome leaders that were investing in our children gave me a sense of fulfillment. I was feeling so fulfilled that I'm spending my time, my energy, and my relational passion um, being connected to all this. I just stood in the back and I was full and I wasn't even doing anything. I was just standing there looking at it and I felt fulfilled and I felt so proud of our church and so proud of the people that give their time and energy. And you know, I gotta be specific though because uh, positive praise and comments a lot of times lack a little bit of, of luster if they're not specific. Let me just tell you what I was feeling standing in the back of this room on Friday night. Um, I actually numbered them from like one to five or something like that and sent a text uh, to a few of the leaders saying, these are the things that are just blowing me away. Uh, But I'll just mention a couple of those. First of all, the excitement level in this room. I mean, it would have shattered your eardrums because these high-pitched screams, these little kids, man. Like seriously, it it, it would shatter the the lenses on your glasses, maybe even contacts. So excited. As soon as I walked in, you just hear the kids screaming out. They were so pumped just to be in this room. Man, do you know how valuable that is? For kids to be that excited to be in the house of God, you can't put a price tag on that. It was just incredible to watch. And it's not easy to accomplish that. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work and effort to capture the attention of, of young kids. And so I was, I was blown away by that. And the level, and this is probably the thing that I've been thinking about the most, the level of creativity and innovation that our team shows, that our kids' ministry team shows. They're not just... You know, and it's not bad to do this. They're not just grabbing curriculum and buying stuff online to just, they are writing music, writing songs, writing raps that connect to the theme and performing them live for our kids. Like, that's crazy, and it's awesome. So I'm standing back there going, man, this is just incredible. They, they, you should have seen the song. I wish y'all could have seen the song and the raps and the music that, that the whole team put together that fit the theme. And, I, and I'll probably mess this up, but it was like a response thing where the kids were calling back when they were rapping and singing. The kids would participate and call back. And they were, it was, I'm a, I'm a fighter, I'm a finisher, I'll be faithful, I'm never gonna give up, or I'm never giving up. And the kids were calling that back. I mean, that's solid stuff, and you know they're not going to forget that. So, man, I, I tell you what, if, if you ever give a second thought to, to being invested or involved or connected, um, don't ever, because good things are happening at this church, and uh, I'm so proud. I just had to share that and had to love on them, and it's different. Um, one of the things, David Kennard is one of the pastors here, and he's preaching at the mills right now. Um, it won't be as good of a message up there as it is this morning. <laughs> We, we were texting a little bit. Um, I'm blabbering right now. I'm going to be up here for an hour. Um, we were texting back and forth this morning, and we were talking about the difference between, and this was his idea, uh, the difference between fulfillment and accomplishment. And he was kind of highlighting that there's a difference between feeling a sense of accomplishment and feeling a sense of fulfillment. 
being fulfilled and being accomplished. And he was, he was, he was kind of thinking of it in terms of accomplishment being a more temporary kind of emotional thing where I do a lot of dumb little things where I'll work and, and do, do something and I'll step back and be like, oh, I feel good that I accomplished this thing. And it's kind of temporary and it's a little more emotional. We were thinking about fulfillment as being something more long-term where you step back and you look at the culmination of life's work concerted energy and passion given to something over a long period of time and you, you feel a deep sense of fulfillment at what you've been a part of. So your work has been part of something bigger. It's more than just a personal accomplishment. It's your work, your passion, what you've been pouring your life into is, is part of something meaningful and bigger. And so you can step back and think, man, look, at, look what I contributed to. God let me do this. God let me be a part of this. And so when I, when I talk about fulfillment this morning, just give you a little context of what I'm talking about. Fulfillment, being a fulfilled worker, is talking about the convergence of vocation, schooling, um, work in the church, work in the kingdom of God, volunteering, working in your family, pouring into your community, all of that, not one of those, all of that coming together to a point to ultimately accomplish something with your life. That's what I'm talking about. So when we talk about being a fulfilled worker, try to think of it really broadly as the culmination of your whole life and everything you leverage, your passion and your energy and your concern for. So that's what we're talking about. Obviously, bold faith is the whole theme for this whole year, which I, I love the, the theme, bold faith. Bold faith Power, love, self-discipline, being defined by those things that God gives us. And specifically this month, as Pastor Bill referenced, never be ashamed. Bold faith does not back down. And the result of living the kind of life for God in the name of Jesus that never backs down, the result is when we get to the end of that life, we look back over it all and we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of the work that we did. We're not ashamed that you know, we didn't bail. We didn't take shortcuts. We're not ashamed because we can look back at our life and we can feel good about what we contributed to, not in a selfish way, but in a way that's fulfilling because we know what it was all about. So the question we're gonna deal with for a few minutes this morning is what kind of worker experiences that fulfillment? What kind of worker experiences true and real fulfillment? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak your words today. Speak your words to us. I pray that your word as we read it would impact our hearts and our minds, that we would leave here with more than just a good feeling. We would leave here inspired and feeling your strength to be and live and do in all the ways that you want us to. To really take hold of those things that you died to enable us to take hold of. And I pray, Lord, that the culmination of our life's work would make you proud. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So 2 Timothy 2 is where we're going to be this morning. If you want to turn there, scroll there. Uh, Todd Pugh, pastor at Kiskey Valley Assembly of God, he says, uh, tap, touch, or scroll. Or turn, turn, tap, touch, turn, or scroll. Something like that. So whether it's paper or digital, just get to the word. Um, and, and let me pause and say this too. I was thinking this morning about like what we do on a Sunday morning. I, I, I relentlessly think in metaphors. They just fill my mind constantly. And I was thinking about what we do on a Sunday morning as being like a family getting together for dinner. It's exactly what we do on Sunday mornings. Everybody comes to the table and at the center of the table is, is worship. And we gather around the word of God. 
That's what we do on a Sunday morning. And I know at our home, I love when there's, uh, there's one or two extra people that aren't a part of our family sitting at the table. And it's always really awesome to have them there, and we call them guests. They are guests in our home. So if you're here with us today and you're a guest, um, we are so glad that you're here to, to be gathered at our table, to be sitting around the Word, and to be, be gathering in worship with us. And we hope that you won't be a guest because we hope that you'll keep coming back and that you'll become part of the family and that you'll have a permanent place at the table. Uh, that's the way I like to think about that. And the Word of God is powerful. You know, people like me get up here and we say a lot of things and we try to illustrate and, and make clear, but ultimately the power of this time that we're in is reading God's word and focusing on it. So I hope that that's the centerpiece of your mind as we read through these scriptures. Second Timothy chapter two, it's a big chunk. So we're gonna read through that and I'm just gonna pull a few thoughts. I mean, we could be here all day talking about Second Timothy two, um, but we're just gonna pull a few thoughts about, about this question. What kind of worker experiences fulfillment? So let's, let's start off, 2 Timothy 2, 1, and this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, and Paul is in a mess. He was imprisoned once under house arrest, and it was kind of a rented home, and it was a little, it was decent. This time, it's Nero's persecution. He is in a dungeon. Uh, his friends could barely even find where he was or get information about where he was. This is cold, hard, dirty, dark prison reality. He's living in a mess. And this is where this letter comes from when he's writing to Timothy. So keep that in mind uh, where he's sitting when he, when he writes these words to Timothy. Guy at the end of his life writing to a guy that's kind of in the prime of his ministry. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So if we're the soldier, in that metaphor there, he's encouraging us not to get entangled in civilian affairs, but to stay about God's business. What is God's business? What, what is God concerned about? A commanding officer gives you orders. What has God commissioned us to do? And what is it that we need to avoid entanglement in? Those are good questions for us to be asking as followers of Jesus. If we really say we believe in God, if we really say we're following Jesus, are we remaining focused on his mission that he died for us to be a part of and that he's commissioned us and called us to be a part of? He says in verse five, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And we don't mind rules when it comes to sports, but we don't like them when it comes to being told how to live. But the truth is God created all of this. And there is a set of rules that makes it all function. And God's the author of those rules. And so by competing according to the rules, we actually can focus our effort and energy on a goal and accomplish it. And that's the purpose of those rules, to keep us in the boundaries so that our lives can be healthy, fulfilling, and have purpose and meaning, not just running all over the place pointlessly, inventing the game as we go along. So he's encouraging us to stay focused on the track ahead of us, to stay focused on the playing field. What are we doing? What's all this energy about? 
What are we expending all this energy for? Why are we going to church? Why are we serving God? Why are we reading his word? What's the point of all of it? He's saying stay in the boundaries, the healthy boundaries that God's created and live according to those rules because at the end there's the victor's crown because we've completed the race. We've completed the task that he's marked out for us. He goes on, he says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. The hardworking farmer slaving day and night. This is a 24-7 job. Takes nurture, patience, care. This work that God has called us to, this life's work, encompasses everything we're about, all of our passions, all of our energies. And we will experience the fulfillment of doing that if we stay focused on the task. And then verse seven, I love this, the older sage saying this, the younger guy says, reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Like, I'm not going to explain all of it. Just think about this stuff and you'll figure it out. A fulfilled worker has avoided, avoided entanglement and temptation. A fulfilled worker has avoided entanglement and temptation. The temptation to, to, to cut corners and to cheat, like the person competing, athletes. We've, we've read lots in the news about people wanting to use drugs to enhance their abilities and people cheating here and cheating there. Those are shortcuts. It's not competing by the rules. And those people are disqualified and their work is dishonored. So he's saying we shouldn't be like that in our lives. We shouldn't be looking for the quick fix, the microwave, the shortcut. We should be looking to dig in, do the hard work of living for Jesus Deep down with integrity in every part of our lives, in public and in private, competing by the rules, staying faithful when no one's watching and when everyone's looking, we should be hardworking and diligent, developing the inner qualities of a follower of Jesus, doing the hard work of staying close to him and listening to his voice, the hard work of loving others, all that encompasses being a follower of Jesus. Those hard days at work, not just viewing it as a paycheck, but looking for opportunities to minister to be God's light in a place you may not even want to be in. That's hard work. It's work. It's difficult. It exhausts you. And a fulfilled worker avoids entanglement. Man, I love that. I love that, that concept, avoiding entanglement. Think of all of the ways that we get tripped up and sidetracked from what God has us doing. And, and entanglement and temptation go hand in hand because we're tempted to, to divert to go over here and mess around over here. We're tempted at work and at school. We're tempted at home to be sidetracked, our emotional energy, tempted to go over here and start, our gaze gets low in things that are meaningless and temporary, and we lose track of what it's all about. We get caught up in, in arguments and stupidity, our own sin, we trip up. saying, don't let yourself get entangled. When you get to the end of your life, you should be able to look back and say, man, I, I, I didn't get tripped up. I didn't, let, I didn't let temptation get the best of me. I didn't let temptation win with God's help. I fought it off. A fulfilled worker avoids distractions. Staying focused. What does God want me to do with my life? Is that a question we should be asking every morning we should, when we get up? What should I be doing with my life? Am I about what God wants me to be about? Or am I distracted? Am I letting temptation get the best of me? Am I living to please God or am I living to please myself? Am I living by his rules or have I somehow got caught up in playing by everybody else's rules? Have I gotten sucked into playing the world's game on the world's turf? Or have I been able to stay separated with God's view on all of this? 
It's hard to do that. But he's saying, Timothy, you got to. Paul's saying, Timothy, you have to do this. If you're gonna get to the end of your life and look back over all you've done, you've got to remain focused on what God has created you to do. No shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. There's no cheating ways to get there. There's no pretending. Have you worked hard for what matters? So he goes on. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, and that makes me think of baptism coming up. Baptism, a symbol that we have died to our old way of life, that we have given up trying to please ourselves, live for ourselves. Baptism is a public sign, a declaration. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm not living, for, I'm playing by the world's rules anymore. I'm not going to let my sin determine who I am. I'm going to live for God. And when we come up out of that water, new life. And if you've given your life to Jesus, you've committed to following him, you've never been baptized, please jump in this baptismal tank. Sign up for baptism. So he says, here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. He's saying you can go to the bank on that. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. A fulfilled worker has suffered and endured. A fulfilled worker does not tap out under any circumstance, doesn't sell out under any circumstance. Why does someone who follows Jesus, who's given their life to Christ, why do they suffer, why do they endure? Not for themselves, it's not for the crown, it's not for a good feeling, it's for Jesus, it's for God, who suffered and died for our sin, who made us, who's the author of all of this, who, who holds the keys to unlock our purpose, who loves us faithfully when we can count on no one else. We do it for the sake of other people, because other people need to see who God is, and we don't tap out, we don't give up, when we suffer, we endure for the sake of other people so that they'll see a light, so that they'll experience God's love. This world needs people who refuse to back down when things get difficult. Faith means, following Jesus means suffering, and it means enduring. And he's saying, Timothy, it's going to get difficult. I mean, look where I am. He says, I'm sitting in prison because of my faith. Timothy, you will experience your own version of hardship. You will run on tough times. And who knows where it will come from? Who knows what the circumstances will be? But he says, when the time comes, endure. Don't be afraid to suffer. Don't back down. You know who is faithful. You know who you serve. You know who loves you. You know where you will be. You know what the end of the finish line is. It's the arms of Jesus. He's standing there waiting. So when you get to the end of your life, being able to look back and say, yeah, it got hard right there. Yeah, it got difficult right there. Yes, it was hard to serve God right there. It was a sacrifice of my time. It was a sacrifice of my energy. It was a sacrifice of my money. I made different decisions about this and that. I suffered and I endured. And he's saying, you're not gonna regret it. 
can promise you, and you get to the end, anything that you have ever given up, first of all, will never match what God has given up for us. Second of all, anything that you trust to Jesus, no one can take that away. It's in the bank forever. Anything you do in his name, anything you suffer because of him or because you're being faithful to him, in the bank. He will count it as faithfulness to him. And he says the trustworthy saying, God's gonna protect that. He's gonna hold on to you. It's the only thing that's true in this life. Wonder why pastors, preachers, and churches say things over and over and over again. I go to church all the time. I hear over and over and over. I hear the scriptures all the time. I've heard this all before. Here's why. Look at verse 14. Keep reminding God's people of these things. So part of our job is to just say it over and over and over and over and over again. And I gotta tell you the truth. I need that. I need that. I need to be reminded constantly in the face of the broken, difficult world we live in, I need those reminders. And for me, the simplest truths of God's word, the simplest truths of who God is, of following Jesus, are are usually the hardest ones to do consistently over a lifetime. So we need to be reminded to stay in there, hang in there. I mean, how many of us need that and want that encouragement? From our loved ones, people around us, he's saying, I mean, you've got to keep this in front of God's people. We've got to all stay focused on these principles. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them. You wonder why some of the words are, are challenging and difficult? Why maybe you get offended or you're, you're feeling poked a little bit sometimes in church or in small groups or by people that follow Jesus in your life kind of prodding at you? He says, warn them before God against quarreling about words. Drink that in for a second. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Stay focused and diligent about the actual core message of the Bible of scripture, of the gospel. That's our laser focus. Any tangent or sidetrack, he says it's of no value, it's a distraction. And he goes on. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. So he's saying, guys, this is a real temptation. It's a real issue. Among them, and he names these guys, <laughs> among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. Wow. Can you imagine? You, your whole, this is how you end up? Like, this is where your name's mentioned? Man. Oh, God, let it not be that at the end, that, that's, this is how my name's mentioned. And he's at the end of his life. He didn't care. He's getting to the end. He's like, dude, these guys, this, this is the truth. He says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They have departed from the core truth of biblical teaching, the gospel of Jesus as taught in scripture. They wandered away from it to tangential, sidetrack. They went down a rabbit trail. A rabbit trail that has caused destruction. He says, they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, 
God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. A fulfilled worker has remained focused on the truth. We don't have time for these rabbit trails. There is a world that is broken and in need of the message of Jesus, the love that comes through that message, the hope, the purpose, the meaning, and who but God's people are the agents to take that message to the world. Who but God's church is the agent to take this message to the world. If we get messed up, sidetracked, focused on other things, too busy infighting, quarreling, bickering over dumb stuff, it messes up the mission. It messes up what God's plan for all of us is, personally and corporately. He say, man, when you get to the end of your life, you should look back and be able to say, I didn't get caught up in all that trivial, dumb stuff. I didn't lose a bunch of relationships. I didn't give up being focused on God's work because I was offended at this or snubbed at that or irritated at that. I stayed focused on the core message of scripture. I contributed to something bigger than myself. I remained faithful and focused on that message. When our names are mentioned, how will they be mentioned? When it's all said and done, the culmination of everything we've lived for, how will they be mentioned? Verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Think about some of those uses. Let your imagination run wild in a household. In that day, the wood and the clay, the stuff that's not valuable, what do you do with those? Right? There's two articles. Then you've got the stuff that's nice that goes on the table and gets set on the counter that people eat out of and don't use in the bathroom. So that's the distinction he's making. Two very big distinctions. You've got dirty earthenware that's kind of shoved to the back, and you've got stuff that's meant to be set out, eaten out of, wash your hands out of, and visitors can, can see these things. Verse 21, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. You talk about a rich metaphor. How do we cleanse ourselves from being the potty jar? There's only one way. And Jesus came to give us a chance to be cleansed from the literal gunk of this world, the soil of sin and filth so that we actually could be set apart as holy. Man, that's the gospel. That in and of ourselves, we are broken, we are dirty. Jesus comes, lays his life down. What an expense to cleanse this clay, this earth, and this wooden pot. He cleans it up, and then what will we do with it from that point on? Will we fill it with excrement again? After that, it's our choice. Or will we be focused on being set apart for God's purposes, his special use? And this terminology goes back to the Old Testament. Anything used in the worship of God, anything used in the temple was talked about as being holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart, cleansed, and set apart for a specific special purpose. 
Everybody in this room was created and Jesus died to restore your special, unique purpose. Everyone, no matter how how old you are, no matter what your sin is, that's the beauty of the gospel. You can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. Jesus can cover any sin you bring to him. Any regret, any past, he always has a plan forward. There is never a point in time where you're like, man, I'm stuck as as an earthen vessel. Too much junk has been in this clay pot. There's no hope. That's never true. There is always the opportunity through Jesus to have hope and a purpose for the future. No matter what. Man, where are you going to find that promise? Anywhere else. Nowhere. So he comes and then he says, now now what are you going to do with it? The second chance. The opportunity. What will you do with the jar that you are? He says, useful to the master. Useful to the master. Prepared to do any good work. That, those words, useful to the master, just kept ringing in my head. Man, I want to be useful to Jesus. A fulfilled worker has been useful to the master. So it's like, you know, the, the cups, the jars, the pans in your house that are just sitting there ready? They're clean, they're in the cupboard, they're ready to go. So whatever you need it for, you know it's there. You can open the cupboard, you go right, and you guys have your go-to thing. Everyone here has your go-to stuff, right? Your go-to mug, your go-to pan, and you know right where it is, and you can grab it, and you know it's going to be there, faithful, reliable, to be used for whatever you want to use it for. You want to fill it with coffee, you want to take it on the road, you're going to make this meal, you know there's a a place for everything in the cupboard. It's got to be cleaned, and it's got to be ready to go. That's a picture. That's what he's saying. Be that. Be that thing that God, at any point in time, he can just open the cupboard, boom, you're ready to go, and he can use you for whatever he wants. That should be us. I want to be useful. God, I'm ready. When we get up in the morning, I'm ready for any good purpose. I've come to you. You've cleansed me of my sin. I'm not getting entangled. I'm not getting distracted. I'm not filthy dirty. I've let you wash me clean, and I'm ready to go. I don't know how you're going to use me today. Are we going to, are we going to make stir fry? Is it going to be a crock pot? I don't know. But God, whatever you want today, I'm ready. And I'm going to be tuned in throughout the day, in the cupboard, ready to roll. So when you open that cupboard and you reach for me, you can use me for whatever you want. Useful to the master. Can you think, when you get to the end of your life, any better thing that you could have said about your own life is that I was useful to Jesus? Man, that's my heart's cry. When I get there, I want him to say, I was able to do a bunch of stuff with you. You were useful to me. Come on in. It's time to rest. That's what I'm living for. And I don't make it every day. I'm going to keep trying. Are you useful to the master? Are you in a place where he can use you? Are you in a place where he can use you? Your heart, your mind, your body, your spirit. Let him cleanse you. If there's sin blocking you, there's some dirty thing in your life, you just, you're just not addressing it, get it out of there. Let him help you with it so that he can use you for a purpose. Verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents 
must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of truth. Here's the goal. The goal of being right is not to be right. The goal of believing in God and knowing God is not just to be right. Here is the goal. Look at what he says here. It's not about us just having the knowledge and beating people over the head with it and fighting with people and arguing about. This is what it's about. He says, may God grant them repentance. We know the truth so that we can help people discover it so that they will come to him. That's the goal. And that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to his will. A fulfilled worker has led others to a knowledge of the truth. When you get to the end of your life, will you be able to look back at a line of people that you helped find Jesus, that you helped grow spiritually, that you invested in in some way in every way? You used all of your resources at work, at school, at home, your pocketbook, your physical energy, your volunteer hours, whatever you want to call it. All of it came together and you can look back and say, there's a whole bunch of people that I invested God's word into their life. And they've come to Jesus. Or I gave them the opportunity to come to Jesus by what I did. He's saying that's the point of it all. To lead others to a knowledge of the truth. Invest in people's life. Inform them. Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to come to church with you. We got empty seats, man. Let's fill this church with people so that we can all get around the table. We can all look at God's word together. We can all worship. You can sit there and watch the baptism of the person you invested in. You think it's awesome coming to Jesus. It's super awesome to watch someone else get baptized that you helped lead to Jesus. That's even better. That's what we're here for. In a gentle, loving way, we invest day after day after day after day. Everything we do is all about this. We look at the world through his lens. We look at people through his lens. We love people the way he wants us to love people. A fulfilled worker is never ashamed. A fulfilled worker is never ashamed. David Kennard texted me this this morning. I told him I was going to read it to you guys. This is what he was thinking about this morning. I love the way it's great. Jesus was one who avoided entanglement and temptation. Jesus suffered and endured. Jesus was useful to the master. Jesus led others to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus ended up standing before God unashamed. And he said, I have brought you glory by completing the work, by completing the work that you gave me to do. That's what Jesus was able to say at the end of it all. I've brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. That's the goal. And we won't be ashamed. Are you working for the right things in the right way? The whole thing. Work, home, school, life. Are you focused on God's purpose for you? When you get to the end, if you stay on the road you are on this morning as you sit in that chair, if you stay right on the road you're on, will you get to the point where you'll be able to say, I was a fulfilled worker? Will you be a fulfilled worker? if you continue the way that you are today? If so, pray God will give you strength to keep going. If not, come to Jesus 
Let him help you get straightened out. He can't wait. Clean you up, help you, heal you, and to get you on the track that he died for you to be on. Would you bow your heads? I'm gonna call the worship team to come up and we are going to worship and pray in response. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, just think about that question, would you? Will you be a fulfilled worker if you stay on the road you are on now? If you're here today and you're a guest at our table, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you staggered in here because you, you saw us on the internet or some friend coerced you into coming, but you're here this morning and you're hearing these words, please let me encourage you to give your life to Jesus, to invite him in. Invite him in. Start a conversation with Jesus this morning. And you can start talking to him right now and you can use the worship to do that. If you're here this morning and your answer to the question of will you be a fulfilled worker if you stay right where you are now and keep going on this track, if the answer to that question for some reason is no, I won't be, then man, use this time to talk to Jesus. Get business done with Jesus. Jesus, forgive me. Course correct me. Help me get pointed in the right direction. Forgive me of the sin that I'm dealing with. Help me to have the courage to talk to someone, to get involved with a group of people that can help me deal with my stuff. Help me to break away from the entanglements and the distractions that I'm involved in right now. Help me to have a better attitude about work, about my family situation. Help me to have different lenses when I walk into school every day, to see things the way you see them. It's an opportunity to serve you. God, prepare me to do good work. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me so I can be prepared to be useful to you at any moment. If you're here today and you're saying, yeah, you know, if I stay on the course I am now, I think I will end up being a fulfilled worker, but I'm not sure how I'm going to get through. It's hard. I'm tired. I'm struggling. I don't have any energy. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep doing what I'm doing. Your prayer today is, Holy Spirit, I am teetering on the edge. Will you fill me with the power that you promised so that I can run this race all the way to the very end? I don't know how I'm going to finish, but you do. So will you grant me the strength by your grace and mercy to cross that finish line, to not give up, to suffer, endure, to make it through this situation that I'm in, to never grow weary loving these people that I'm loving, to never give up when I see my financial situation. Help me, Lord. I don't know where it's gonna come from, this strength to invest and invest and invest, to be what you want me to be, but I'm gonna trust you to give me the strength tomorrow, Holy Spirit, and the next day and the next day. Fill me today with what I need. I wanna be useful to you. God, I pray for those who are gathered here today. I pray your rich, forgiving love to flow over those who are going to reach out to you in these moments and invite you into their lives for the first time. I pray your forgiveness would be tangible as people cry out and ask for a second chance to cover over the brokenness and sin that they're here with today. That you would cleanse them from common use Clean them up shiny as they reach out to you. And God, for those who are on the right road and just need that strength, I pray you would fill them, Holy Spirit, with your power to live the life that you've called them to live in whatever situation they find themselves in. 
We worship in your name. We pray these things in your name. We're gonna seek you for the next few moments. Hear our prayers. Hear our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.